Welcome to another episode of Season 2 of Cohort W. I'm your host, Usawak faculty member and current Warren Officer Historical Foundation Fellow, CW5 Leonard Mominy. In today's episode, my incredible guest will share some personal and professional experience, mentorship, and leadership as a Senior Warrant Officer. The Senior Warrant Officer will then examine how this insight should ultimately influence action, development, and education for those they serve and the greater cohort. The conversation is directed at leader development, talent management, and what they are doing to support the Army for uh, large-scale combat operations, or LSCO. Finally, all Cohort W guests will have an opportunity to share a favorite anecdote from their career as a senior warrant officer. Today, I am joined by the Cyber Center of Excellence Command Chief Warrant Officer, CW5 Sankey. Thanks so much for your time today, sir. No, absolutely. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. So uh, do you think maybe we could uh, start off by sharing a little bit about yourself with the audience to include uh, how long you've been a warrant officer? Everyone seems to get a kick out of how long we've been in service. Sure. Uh, My name is Paul Sankey. I'm a Signal Chief Warrant Officer 5, and I've been a warrant officer for exactly 20 years as of this month. Um, I joined the Army in 1986, but I had a five-year break in service following Operation Desert Storm. Uh, So I just reached 30 years of active service this December. 30 years of active service. Congratulations. And uh, I I myself passed uh, 24 not too long ago. So you said you're a signal warrant officer. Could you tell us a little bit about that uh, uh, specialty, maybe how you hit a feeder into your area of expertise, and then uh, what's your current duty position? Sure. Well, I I started out as a a 31 uniform, which was a signal support system specialist. Uh, And as an E6, I I converted over to 251 Alpha, which is a uh, information systems technician. As a CW5, uh, all of the signal warrant officers roll up into 255 Zulu, which is a senior network operations technician. Uh, and right now, I'm I'm serving as uh, the command chief warrant officer for uh, for the U.S. Army Cyber Center of Excellence. Command chief warrant officer for the uh, Cyber Center of Excellence. So, how does that differ? Just you know, some of our listeners may not know uh, compared to say if you were the chief warrant officer of the branch for either cyber or signal. Okay, well, the uh, the, the cyber COE maintains oversight for both signal and cyber branches. Uh, it, it's really up to the, the signal RCWO and the cyber CWOB, which are also CW5 positions, to manage warrant officer affairs within their respective branches. It's my job to ensure that this is accomplished within the cyber COE commanding general's intent and that there's synergy between those two branches. As a signal warrant officer, it's, it's sometimes a little difficult for me to maintain impartiality between the two uh, and make sure I'm keeping the best interest of both branches in mind. Uh, I have to rely a little heavier on the cyber CWOB to help me decide what recommendations to make in the, the cyber and electromagnetic warfare realms. On the other hand, uh, I have to be careful not to encroach on the signal RCWO's responsibilities since I'm a lot more comfortable on that realm. I can see where that would be uh, complicated because like for me, I'm an aviator. And so the USACI aspect really is just one branch. We have a lot of specialties, but it's just one branch. 
Um, and I, I couldn't imagine what it's like managing multiple houses, so to speak. And, and uh, that makes sense about the 255 Zulu. I mean, with that being said, and, and you know, you kind of gave a, a wave top with respect to uh, what you do at the cyber COE, what does the day-to-day work look like? Well, really, my, my primary function is, as with all warrant officers, is to serve as the advisor for the, for the cyber COE commanding general uh, and all the issues related to signal and cyber warrant officers uh, across the Army, uh, as well as the other branch warrant officers that are assigned to the CCOE. Uh, arguably, it's also, I have influence across uh, Fort Gordon uh, since the CG is the senior mission commander here. Um, I also advise the CG and the staff on, on technical issues, especially as it pertains to DOTMO PF integration, uh, as that is, that's pretty much the cyber center of excellence, excellence's function. I provide mentorship and guidance to the warrant officers that are assigned to the CCOE, as well as our students. Uh, and that often includes WOPDs to the, the in-session classes. I represent CG at technical and training-related events, forums, working groups, uh, and I'm the cyber COE representative at senior warrant officer events and forums, uh, all the way up to the DOD level. I maintain general oversight of the warrant officer affairs within each branch and actively seek ways to promote synergy between the two of them. I, I know that that's got to be incredibly detailed and complicated to kind of coordinate, um, and I'm I'm sure you really do rely on those other CW5s. There's been a lot of activity on social media of, of late. Uh, I'm seeing people talk about uh, CyberForge and some of the uh, other aspects of bringing cross-compo or cyber warrants from National Guard and other formations into uh, some uh, training. What's that all about? Uh, well, we try as much as possible to to cross pollinate between all the compos to to keep everyone proficient. As we you know we saw over the past twenty years, we we relied heavily on on compo two and three in all of our operations. Uh, right now, uh, we're also you know in addition to keeping that integration uh, in the operational aspect of it, uh, we've recently been using them a lot for uh, instructors. Uh, we, we've had a, a shortage of an, a shortage of instructors here at the house, and and Compo two and three have really stepped up in in, in providing us. Uh, some additional help in that arena. Yeah, we uh, we had a guest on CW five Pat Nelligan. I'm I'm quite certain you know who Pat is. Uh, I do. Yeah, he's the USARC uh, command chief, and you know that is a uh, pretty insightful gentleman. He had been talking about how um, he's made it an effort to supplement. And 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 more actively partner with brothers and sisters sisters in arms, so to speak, across compo. Um, he's very total force minded. I I really like chatting with him, uh, and I know that we've received um, help from both AGR sort of slots and reserves down at the Warren Officer Career College, and it's uh, it's meant a lot. Before we move on to talk about certain leadership efforts you may be working on, uh, well, uh, how does your work? as a senior warrant officer leader, serve to the betterment and support of both your branches and the Army as a whole? Um, so really, it's, you know, ensuring that the signal and cyber warrant officers are adequately adequately trained and, and to accomplish their missions, that we have enough warrants to fill required positions, that those positions are in the right units and uh, the echelons that best facilitate overall mission accomplishment. And then the signal and cyber warrant officer cohort is postured to leverage the interactions and codependencies between signal, cyber, and EW functions as, uh, as a force multiplier. And that's a really, really important part is, is that synergy piece between signal and cyber. 
it's very easy for them to get stovepiped uh, in, in their own domains and to kind of ignore each other. But then when you get out into the real world, into the field, there are a lot of codependencies there. There's a lot of interaction there uh, and they need to know how to work together uh, from the schoolhouse on. Absolutely. It seems like we, uh, according to new doctrine, are moving well beyond simple combined arms application uh, and into this realm of uh, convergence. We want to see convergence across domains. So uh, I'm sure that uh, it's it's quite eye-opening for them once they head out to the field. Oh, absolutely. Especially when they get into the joint force. And uh, we talk about it a lot with our senior students. Um, ILE and senior students when we hit up force management or total army analysis and what you were just speaking to where you're ensuring that they're trained and ready to go for those commanders, uh, you know, that's uh, for all our listeners out there, they are tending to the role, the role that um, all those individual branches play as part of the army to help put the right people, those technical experts into the formations. Uh, so that the combatant commanders can make use of them. As uh, you know, the command chief warrant officer at the Cyber COE, what are some specific initiatives or focal points regarding leader development and talent management that you would like to discuss? Signal and cyber warrant officer skill requirements are, are really changing drastically right now with the, the DOD shift to data-centric operations and a unified network. Uh, it's always been a challenge to keep pace with the rate of evolving technology in, in these schools uh, but now we're undergoing a, a fundamental change in the way we operate, especially on the signal side. Uh, we're, we're taking advantage of uh, combined arms centers, <laughs> warrant officer PME modernization effort uh, to update skill requirements and institutional learning across all warrant officer MOSs at CCOE. Uh, further, uh, a lot of the signal and cyber warrant officers are very specialized in their skill sets. It's almost impossible to be an expert across the full spectrum of information technology and, and cyberspace operations. Uh, this makes it very important to place the right officer in the right position. Uh, the AIM-2 process was established to help get the right talent to the right place, but in the end, it's it's always tempered by the needs of the Army. Um, we, uh, when I say we, the, the Cyber COE Center of uh, Senior Warrants, stay close contact with HRC to help balance the needs of the Army and uh, soldier preference along with placing the right skills in the right job. Well, it uh, it definitely sounds like you are applying these initiatives and, and hitting the right focal points to make the members of your branch more lethal and ready to support uh, large-scale combat and multi-domain. With respect to the in-depth complexities, you know, and that inability to maintain a, a, uh, a one-deep expert, do you feel like the combination of talent is still meeting the necessary uh, you know, guidance that's being laid out in that vision in FM30? Um, I think so. So we all know that warrant officers are, are very adaptive. Uh, and, and that's the one thing that we encourage is, you know, we're, in, we're not going to teach you everything you need to know here at the school. Uh, you've got to continue to learn and you've got to adapt uh, when you get out into your unit. Uh, when you're out there uh, alone and unafraid, you need to to reach out to your warrant officer network, which is our strength, uh, is always having people to turn to when when you need help. Uh, and then there's a plethora of um, online uh, training that's available to to help to upskill them once they get into the situations. Courses. I'm an educator at, at the college. What uh, education or training, whether technical or Common Core, 
do you see as being relevant and impactful to the development of uh, your warrant officers? And, and can you explain why you feel this way? Well, you know, I, I think it's very important for our warrants to understand the theory behind the technologies that they're expected to employ uh, and not just teach what we call, you know, buttonology or specific systems. Uh, you know, we're depending heavily on industry education and certifications in, in, in this realm, uh, as well as opportunities for training with industry and advanced civil schooling for certain follow-on assignments, uh, especially as we get more into this data engineering and data science and, and data architecture realm. Um, you know, given, given the broad diversity in studies uh, and duties, uh, depending on unit mission and location, it, it's really not practical to teach everybody everything, as I was saying before, um, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be encountering requirements uh, for skills that they've, they've never seen before uh, when they get out to certain units. Uh, again, we leverage distance learning and our regional signal training sites to provide upskilled for the operational force and, and those skills that aren't as pervasive across the force. Depending on the MOS, we also need to ensure that they're prepared to execute in a tactile environment. Our, our MOSs are becoming a lot more receptive to assessing from lower enlisted and even civilian applicants. Um, cyber operators and coders, they're not very likely to end up in a tactical unit, but signal and EW warrants, they absolutely need to know how to operate in a tactical environment from day one. Uh, so as we open the accessions aperture to inv individuals with limited or no tactical experience, uh, we have to make sure they receive adequate field training exercise time to be successful. Talent management of personnel is a major undertaking. It's a critical component to organizational success. How are you and uh, the cyber COE holistically approaching the recruitment and, and subsequent management of that talent? Well, for uh, for recruiting, our, our senior warrants visit AIT and NCOA classes here on Gordon to get the word out about becoming a warrant officer on a regular basis. Uh, we also understand that it takes a healthy pool of enlisted candidates to feed the warrant officer cohort. Uh, so CCOE uh, works with local schools to promote STEM programs, and, and many of our soldiers volunteer with these programs, and that results in an increase in potential recruits focused on STEM-related MOSs. Uh, that said, we don't really find recruiting as much of an issue for our MOSs as we do retention, and that has a lot to do with talent management. Uh, our, you know, our warrants are often offered salaries in excess of $200,000, uh, you know, but even from, I mean, as, as W-2s, you know, and that leads most to retire at 20 years as a CW-3. A lot of them, however, have stated that job satisfaction and proper talent management plays a big factor in the decision, uh, and and that would convince them to stay. Uh, it's a challenge to make everybody happy in the military, but, you know, there's always some assignments that no one wants to go to. Uh, the key is to leverage the AIM-2 process, I think, uh, to make sure that we're putting the right KSBs into the right jobs. Um, the other piece is messaging to, to commanders on proper utilization of their warrant officers. Uh, our warrants tend to be much more satisfied when they're being challenged and are honing their skills, performing the duties that they are intended to perform. So you just talked about uh, talent management and making sure that um, folks are equipped in the right jobs with the right KSBs, the right knowledge, skills, and behaviors. What sort of behaviors or competencies uh, do you think are kind of intangible 
to the uh, warrant officer, whether signal or cyber, what you would like to see or see further refined in those individuals? Well, certainly, I think there's there's got to be a certain amount of empathy. Uh, I see a lot of people that they just kind of they shut down and put blinders on where they see a certain situation and they don't they don't take you know all sides into account. I, I've seen a lot of situations uh, since I've been here uh, where I'll initially lean one way and then after looking into the situation, then you, I can see both sides of the situation and, and we can make a, a, a more informed decision. Certainly a, a breadth of experience in their field is important. That's especially at the branch here. And, you know, as a CWAB, I think it's kind of a little bit less important just because you're going to have the branch that you came from, but then you'll have uh, the other branch or branches that you're not as familiar with. So you need more those those leadership type skills uh, in, in the CCWO slot. That said, we do look for, you know, we, we, we actually have a signal and cyber uh, CW5 board of directors. Uh, and we, we look at each one of these, these nominative type, nominative type slots. And, you know, you can self-nominate, you can have a command nomination, or the board can nominate people for that position. And then we'll, we'll list out all those KSBs, their, you know, their performance and everything on kind of a baseball card for the CG to, to evaluate. And then they'll go and, and they'll interview those folks to, uh, to, to, to put together their own opinion about them and see if they want to hire them for the job. So, yeah, I think, I think any, the, the KSBs that we typically look for in any, you know, uh, senior leader or CEO is really what we need in these positions. So you're saying there, there's a, a point where eventually the technician has to also put on the hat of the generalist and, and, and start to uh, really apply some of those larger leadership type skills that we have uh, hammered into us over time, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. I think that once we get to the to the CW five level, uh, you're you're going to be more dependent on your your CW threes and twos to work with you on that technical piece. Because I, I'll tell you, the last time I did something technical was several years back. At the, at this point, it's it's more about leadership, and then that broad technical knowledge at a more strategic level or army level to, to help facilitate decisions at the two, three, and four-star level. You know, there's got to be a W3 or even a W4 out there. And they're thinking to themselves, I want to be just like Mr. Sankey. I want to be in that position. What do you say to them? So I think I would say to them, and, and maybe this comes a little earlier on, but, you know, always remember that your, your boss's technical advisor. Make sure you're always candid with them. They may not always like what you have to say, but respectfully tell them what they need to know. Don't try to tamp dance your way out of a question. If you're not sure of the answer, tell, you, tell them you're not sure, and then use your warrant officer network and research skills to find the answer. I think more for a CW3 and 4 is to never stop learning. No matter how much you know, you never know at all. And then, you know, if you really want to make it up to this CW5 level, uh, I know that especially in, in in the signal and cyber realm, they love to specialize. They love to deep dive into into one specific facet uh, of our our tradecraft. But as a CW five, you need to you need to have more of a breadth of knowledge. So try to try to diversify. Try to uh, try to try to do some jobs that are kind of outside your comfort zone. Absolutely, sage advice. So it's been said that uh, experience is the best teacher. What experience, success, or even failure have you learned from the most? 
well, I think I think this is this is probably the most because it was one of my first um, uh, my first enlistment. I was a light wheel vehicle mechanic. Um, my first day on the job as an E2, I was sent out with a grease gun to get a lube a deuce and a half. I uh, crawled under the truck, connected the hose to a fitting and started pumping. Uh, I heard somebody walk up and looked up between the grill and the bumper to see my company commander who had kind of come out to welcome me. And I kept pumping. And he asked me how I knew when I put enough grease in the fitting. And uh, I kind of matter of factly pointed to a joint by the fitting and said, it'll start coming out here, sir. And he pointed to the other side where there was a long string of grease that was coming out onto the ground. And he said, hey, just remember when somebody asks you a question, they often already know the answer. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, that one's definitely true. Uh, but uh, do you have any interesting or, or formative anecdotes from your career that you would like to share with the audience? It could be funny, could be inspirational. Well, other, other than what I just told you, um, really just a, a very simple quote that I've kind of kept with me. And, and I share this with my subordinates and, and with my sons. Uh, basically, it's just, you know, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites that I like to share with my kids is um, do nothing that lacks purpose. Yep, yeah. That's another good one. <laughs> well, I tell you what, um, we will not keep you any longer. We know that you're a very busy person and uh, we appreciate you coming on to the, uh, the, the show. So it's been great to hear uh, senior warrant officers talk both doctrine and share mentorship with those they seek to serve. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we really appreciate you uh, just uh, sharing your leadership and insight. And I think it goes to show everyone that, um, you know, senior warrant officer leaders are out there and they're contributing day in and day out and working incredibly hard to help the Army meet, um, you know, the doctrinal requirements for our force for both the current and future fight. So for updates on Cohort W and the Warrant Officer Historical Foundation, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Simply search for at WOHF1918 or the Warrant Officer Historical Foundation. Finally, to learn more about how you can support programs like this, please visit warrantofficerhistory.org. Oh, boy. Oh, boy.